Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Uh, the Just Ten series is a series where we go through the, the Ten Commandments, and uh, uh, the set, we're going to do the seventh one tonight. So after tonight, we've got seven to go. J. John started us off, and uh, talked to us about being content, we're not coveting, so he talked about being content with what you have, remember he talked about saving, giving and living, how we use our resource like that, and then last week Nick spoke to us, you shall not lie, and uh, really good what he said, I found it was particularly helpful when Nick explained to us that often we lie because we believe a lie, so for example, my kids sometimes, they say, can you ring up for me because um, I don't really want to go to work today. Um, so they know that I will not lie or ring in sick for them um, because the lie is that the, employ- the employer will be upset with you if you tell them the truth. That's the lie. They'll be upset with you if you tell them the truth. So you think, well, if I just lie and tell them that I'm sick, then it will be okay. But I I'd- stopped believing that lie a while ago so actually what I do is I ring up and I tell the employer the truth. So the last time, Abigail said, can you ring up my boss? She says, I'm just so exhausted, I can't go to work. I said, okay, I'll ring him and I'll tell him, you're so exhausted, you can't go to work. And so I was able to speak the truth to him. And actually, the employer was really accepting. He said, oh, she's really exhausted, she needs to rest, she needs to take it easy. See, I chose not to believe the lie, so that, which would have caused me to speak a lie. So I think it's, that's a really good exercise for us in our lives. Sometimes when we m- might, might want to speak a distruth, a lie, it's good to think and examine it slightly and just say, why is it that I want to lie? I don't need to lie in this situation. I need, to, I need to speak the truth, even if the truth sometimes costs us. It can be a little bit like when you're going through the commandments in the Bible, that they, it can come across as a little bit kind of lawish and negative. Obviously, we pride ourselves on the fact that we're New Testament Christians, that um, we've experienced the new covenant that Jesus has made available to us. So when you crack open the Old Testament and you look at the Ten Commandments, it's very like, um, you know, do not, do not, you shall not, you shall not, okay? But I was reading a lovely verse in 1 John chapter 5 a couple of weeks And so John was one of Jesus' disciples, and he writes those three letters of John towards the end of his ministry. So he's a little bit older and a little bit wiser, yeah? And so as he he writes that letter, 1 John, comes like towards the end of the New Testament, he talks about God's commandments. And he says this, he says, This is love for God to keep his commands. That's what he says. And he says this, he says, And his commands are not burdensome, for anyone born of God overcomes the world. So what John's saying there, he's saying, listen, if you like God's love language is that we obey his commands. We can't get away from that. Let's not come up with the nonsense that, oh, actually the command, you know, the old the, the commandments in the Old Testament don't count. They do. They're God's commandments. They're important, yeah? And if we love God, we will seek to keep those. 
But what John was saying, he's saying, but listen, listen, it's not like the Old Testament. It's not burdensome. It doesn't need to be a burden that you carry. Because what I believe that what part of what John was saying is that the fact that because we have the Holy Spirit in us, he helps us to overcome the world. And so there is a sense that actually, as followers of Jesus, like we don't want to lie. We don't want to do that because it's nonsense. We know it's disobedient to God. And so God gives us the wisdom and the strength so that we seek to live a life of truth, like with, with um, coveting, yeah? Like, it's nice to have enough. And when we don't have enough, that's difficult. I get that. But there is a sense that we can pray and we can say, Lord, will you help that, that commandment not to be burdensome to me? And Lord, will you help me to understand that, Lord, you will provide all that I need in order and, and like God can give us that that revel, that revelation and um, in terms of this evening as we look at um, you shall not commit adultery yeah the prayer of our hearts is Lord help us to be faithful in our relationships not just our marriage relationship but in our but help us to be faithful in our friendships Lord help us to be faithful in our relationships towards our parents Lord help us to demonstrate that fruit of the Spirit faithfulness so that our relationships are healthy you know as you look at these commands that God gives us in the Bible they they are actually a really loving thing that God would be kind enough this God who created the heavens and the earth would be kind enough to give you and me his creation he would give us parameters and boundaries around our lives it's a kind thing to do listen if my kids did what they wanted to do all the time, the Jewhurst house would be absolutely chaotic, yeah? They would go to bed when they want, they would eat what they wanted, they would live their lives at McDonald's down the road, yeah? Because that's what they would want to do, because that feels good, and they like the taste of it, and they like the stickers that you, that you peel off the side of the cups, which give you free nuggets or different monopoly things so you can win allegedly an electric car yeah they love all those things but they would do it all the time if they could but for me as a loving parent what I seek to do is I just say to them listen we just need to have some boundaries if you have too much of that that's not going to be good for you you need to sleep you need to rest yeah you need to go to school and so this myth that as creative beings we could just get on and do what we want to do we see the results of what happens when men and women do that around the world. We see a world that's broken. We see a world that's chaotic. We see a world that's driven by a man's greed because he is doing just what he wants to do. But there's a sense that when we have parameters and boundaries in our lives, that we become the best version of what God wants us to be. And so as we go through these commands over these next 10 weeks, just remember, yeah, number one, they're not burdensome, yeah? Because God can enable these, the, this, this, um, this lifestyle that God wants from his people to be something that comes very naturally from who we are. And also that God puts boundaries and parameters around our lives for our good. Because he's a good father and he wants us to make good choices. So today we look at the seventh commandment, Exodus 20 verse 14. The Bible says this, you must not commit adultery. Adultery hurts, adultery disappoints, it leaves scars, 
And so this, this evening I want to speak to us about how to affair-proof our relationships. As many as 65% of men and 55% of women will have an extramarital affair, according to the Journal of, the, of Psychology and Christianity. And this evening, really, my heart in sharing what I'm sharing with you tonight is that whatever season of life we find ourselves in, whether you are single, whether you are married, whether you are divorced, or whether you are widowed, but we as a people would be a people that go after faithfulness. Faithfulness. All right. So that is the heart of that commandment is what what God is speaking about. He's speaking about faithfulness, particularly in the context of marriage, but he's also talking about faithfulness generally. There's a lovely, there's a lovely chapter in Proverbs chapter 5 where Solomon talks about and warns his son against adultery. Now, I actually feel as you read this, uh, the woman in this situation gets quite a hard deal, Yeah. I mean, it, as you read this text, you might think it's all the woman who's doing all the luring, yeah? But let me tell you that when unfaithfulness happens, um, it's not just women that lure men, but often men lure women as well. So I just do that to set a little context around. When it talks about adultery, it's talking about the act of adultery. So I'm just going to read some verses there. So the first part is just a warning and then the second part that I'm going to read from Proverbs chapter 5 is very much a celebration of what it means to enjoy the, the, the wife of your youth. Yeah? Now I understand we live in an imperfect world. Divorce, marriage breakdown happens. Yeah? This preach tonight is not about banging anyone with a stick. All right? It's about holding up the value of marriage. What I have to do this evening as your pastor is I have to hold two tensions. I have to hold the tension on one hand that there are many people who experience um, marital breakdown, divorce. Um, they can be really hurt in relationships. And that is a result of living in a world that is not perfect. And there might be some of you tonight, like you have experienced that, okay? So I hold that tension there. But in the other hand, I hold this other tension that as a church community... Okay, those of you that have seen the result of marital breakdown, you would never want anyone you love to go through that. We, would, we can probably agree tonight that we agree that the ideal and what we hold up this evening is the, the, the biblical um, narrative that God loves lifelong marriage, yeah? So I, I hold them both up. I have... I have empathy and sympathy, and I seek to walk with those whose experience has not been marital faithfulness. But for all of our kids and our young people and our grandkids tonight, we want to hold up the fact that we want them to experience a faithful marriage right the way through their lives. Because that's, that's the best, because they don't experience the heartbreak that can come when relationships break down. So just remember that as I speak, I'm not ignoring either of those. I'm recognizing one, but I'm also holding up the other. When my five kids get married, I want them to be with their marriage partner for the whole of their lives. Yeah, And that's the, the culture that we want for our 
life church young adults as or older people as well older people can get married as well can't they when they get married so proverbs 5 solomon warns his son against adultery he says my son pay attention to my wisdom turn your ear to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge for the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought for the, for the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. And then jump to verse 15. Solomon encourages his son um, Positively, he says, Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow into the streets, your streams of water into the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe. A, grace, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? And I love that word there. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. And I pray that for all of you husbands and wives in the room tonight. May you ever be intoxicated by her love. May you ever be intoxicated with his love. I pray that whatever state your marriage is in this evening, that there will be a sense that there'll just be a, a reminding and a refreshing that this speaking about do not commit adultery it doesn't need to be a negative thing. It can be a very positive thing. I've been married for 25 glorious years. December uh, the 12th. This year, we, <laughs> I was just going to say December, yeah? Sometime in December, we got married in 1998, yes. But and the Bible does not say in Proverbs 5, your wife will stay young forever. It doesn't say that. It says, enjoy the wife of your youth. And there is something wonderful about the longevity of relationship. Even those of you, I understand that some people will have been disappointed by long-term relationships. But I think all of us this evening can appreciate that when, it, when marriage works and works well, particularly in a Christian context, it's something that's wonderful and beauty. You see, TV gives us misinformation about sex. It does. It's a stinker. I was, I was watching something that one of my daughters was watching on the telly the other day. I won't say what it was or who it was. Um, but as I listened to the nonsense that was on that TV program, it took everything in me not to be the controlling dad and say, get that nonsense off the television, yeah? But it was, it was nonsense. What it was, it was making adultery or sex before marriage look fantastic and great 
It made it look like there were no consequences, there was no hurt, there was no deceit, there was no giving yourself to someone and then that, that someone deciding they didn't want to be with you. There was no brokenness. It just made it all look great, fantastic, beautiful, no consequences. Rarely does um, the act of sex um, in the context of TV celebrate faithfulness. And so we, we have to push back against what culture says. Culture says it's all right to have sex before marriage, yeah? The Bible says, the Bible way is that we wait until we're married before we have sex with someone. That's the Bible way. It's not easy. Uh, it can be a challenge. It can be difficult. But I, me and Sarah found in our lives that as you do that, even though that's challenging and difficult and none of us are perfect and none of us always get it right, but that principle that we seek to hold to, it's a good thing. So, you know, in terms of those of you this evening that find yourself single in this season of life, I would encourage you to keep your sexual purity for when you're married. It's a great gift. And, and that might be difficult and that might be challenging, but I believe that God can help you with that, that you can find fulfillment in being a single person in this season of life. And if your desire is that you would be married, then I, my prayer for you this evening is that God, at the right time with the right person, will give you the desire of your heart. So in, order, in terms of affair-proofing our relationships, got four words this evening. The first one is this, God. Guard your minds. God gives us sexuality to be expressed in a particular context. And he wants you to use it as he designed it to be used. In Jesus' manifesto in Matthew 6, 7, 8 and 9, he talks about the seventh commandment. He mentions it. Jesus says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And Jesus goes on to say in those verses, Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Yeah. What Jesus was saying there is that, listen, you need to take note, because this is really important, that... The way that we express our sexuality, this God-given gift, like sex within the context of marriage is a wonderful, beautiful thing that a husband and wife can enjoy together. But Jesus was saying that in our minds we need to ensure that we are also faithful to our spouses. To married couples this evening, I say to you, don't waste your sexual appetite on others. Don't waste your sexual appetite on uh, images of other people apart from your spouse. Because actually what you're, what, you, what you're doing there is you're wasting something that is really precious. That sexual energy that God has given to you is to be expressed with your spouse. Spend, don't, spend your love on the wife of your youth. So God, second thing is discern. And I think in terms of a fair proofing our relationships, I think this is particularly important. The enemy would love it if you were unfaithful in your marriage. 
And in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, this is what Peter says. He says, stay alert. The devil is, is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Listen to this, okay? Affairs do not start in the bedroom. Never do. Affairs start in the mind. Affairs start in the heart. You go through scenarios. You think about a person, okay? You think you start to emotionally connect to that person over a period of time. And I believe that on the pathway to an affair, there are, there are signs. And here are some of the signs that will appear. Stop. Yeah? Another sign that will appear is change direction. Another a sign that will appear is danger. Yeah? We have to be careful as we go down that road that we take notice of the signs that are in front of us. Notice what Proverbs 5 says about adultery. It says, do not go near the door of her or his house. Don't go near it. Don't go near it. Discern it. Be careful. Listen, your husband, he might not be all he's cracked up to be sometimes. He might disappoint you, yeah? Your wife, sometimes she might not always get it right. And sometimes there can be those moments where you think, oh, the grass might be greener on the other side. Listen, it won't be. It will be full of hurt and disappointment and um, brokenness. So what does that mean for us? Don't go near. Don't go near the door of her house. It means this life church, yeah? Don't go near compromising positions. Don't go near flirting too much. Don't go near to playing at affairs in your mind. Like, affair in your mind is, my life would be great if I was with that person. It's a lie. It's not true. Your life would be the same. You'd still have the bills to pay. You'd still have a home to run. You'd still have those challenges. That person you perceive as being perfect, they're not perfect. They've got issues as well. Don't go near emotional involvement with another. Keep relationships open and appropriate. Do not go near to digital communication that's unnecessary. And when you see the signs, I would encourage you to dial into heaven. Dial into heaven. So, there you go. Dial into heaven. <laughs> dial into heaven. Psalm 50, verse 15. It says, Call on me in times of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will honor me. All right? So listen, be careful. You know, in, in contexts like work, at university, in the workplace, like, just be aware that spending too much time with, with the wrong person, it can start you down a path, okay? And I believe that God will give you moments to get off that, to get off that, to change direction, okay? Be aware. Be aware of it. And be brutal with it as well. Like, cut it off and give yourself to your spouse. So, we need to guard. We need to invest. Sorry, we need to discern. And we need to invest. In order to affair-proof our relationships, we must invest. We must invest in one another. According to experts, one of the most common causes of unfaithfulness is a sense of emotional disconnection from your spouse. What you need to do is avoid greener grass syndrome. 
you need to invest in the grass on your side of the fence. If you go to our house, you see our back garden. Our back garden lawn is atrocious. It's kind of got patches on it. It's bumpy. Um, That's because we have not spent any money on our grass in our garden for like 15 years. The the people that lived in the house before, they must have spent a fortune because when we turned up, it just looked beautiful. But it doesn't now because it takes time, money, effort, patience to do that. And in terms of your marriage relationship this evening, any relationship, any relationship that you value, your kids, your spouse, your friends, your life group, there are moments where you just have to take the time to invest. If you don't put anything in, you will not get anything out. There is a good cost to having a good marriage, and that means you need to invest. And um, what we need to do, what you need to do is you need to understand what your spouse or your friends, it's not, this is just, not just a marriage thing or your kids, you need to understand what their love language is, all right? Love language. Love languages are really important. So, here, are, here there are five, yeah? Some people, they love it when you share quality time with them. Some people, they love it when they receive gifts. Some people, they love physical touch. Some people really love words of affirmation, and some people really love acts of service. As I look at my five kids, their love languages are different, yeah? Each of them, they like, they, if, you were, if, if I was to say what, what is their particular love language, it would probably be different or a variation of all of them for the, f- for the five of them. And so, if you understand your spouse's love language, then it will mean that they will particularly feel your love. My wife loves it when I hoover the house. Isn't that true? She looks at me like these love hearts appear in her eyes. If I ever I want to get on the good side of her, I think, right, the house doesn't need a hoover. I hoovered it this morning. But guess what? I'm going to hoover the house again because I've got something to tell her afterwards, yeah? <laughs> so love languages are important, yeah? And I find, you know, even in the context of friendship, understand what, what the love languages of your friends are. Because, like, your friend might really love the, the fact that you speak words of affirmation over them. So, like, you say to them, like, you do that really well, or thank you for the way that you did that. I really appreciate that. You know, some people, they don't bother what you say. They just want a gift wrapped up with a bow on the top, yeah? Other people, they don't bother about your gifts, Um, or your words of affirmation. They just want to spend time with you. If we can understand these things, what these things do is they make our relationships robust. So when the difficult, tough times come, that we're we're not unguarded, like we've invested into our friendships, into our relationships with our children, into our marriage relationship. And, you know... Husbands, you need to buy your wife flowers. It's important to do it from time to time. And I was real hate saying that because in all the other contexts where I've said that, my wife's not been there. But she's here tonight and she knows that that's a hypocritical statement that I've just made. <laughs> Discover the, the romance of, of just enjoying time together. Enjoy, enjoy fun together. Laugh together. All these things are important. Um, be your spouse's greatest supporter. Like I learned a long time ago, 
in our mar- and you know, me and Sarah have been blessed with a really great marriage. I have to say that. Really blessed. We're grateful to the Lord and to one another. But like when Sarah wins, Lucas wins. And when Lucas wins, Sarah wins. Like you cannot have whatever your personality type is, however wrong she might be or he might be, you cannot have a spirit of competition in your marriage, yeah? No one wins. It's just a tank emptier. And it might mean from time to time that initially you have to really bite your lip. But just allow there to be some momentum that comes from just, if you need to let the other person win sometimes, let them win. If they're, you know, if they're not as self-aware as you to see it. Because this sense of being each other's greatest supporter, it, it is like dynamite in a marriage in a good way. It builds the marriage up and it means that you're on the same page with one another. Also, it's really important sometimes in our relationships, both with our children, with friends, and with our spouse, that we can say these, these four phrases. I was wrong. I am sorry. I don't know. I need help. And when you say those statements are very powerful, because to say sorry to your spouse, or sorry, I remember I once... I chastised Abigail too harshly about something. She was about 14. And I I remember thinking, Lucas, you've got to apologize because you cannot talk to her so harshly as that. And so I had to find her out. I said, Abigail, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have spoken to you like that. That was way over the top. Okay? That was good for me. It was good for me to show humility in that moment. And actually, it did two things. Abigail felt good that her dad had apologized to her. And it was such a painful experience that I thought I will never speak to my kids like that again because I don't want to be apologizing like that. Because it is a humbling thing, isn't it? <laughs> Say, so you kind of know it all, 14-year-old, to genuinely say I'm sorry and not to come, but, you know, I'm sorry, but you were really out of order there, Abigail. You know, I'm sorry, but you really deserve that telling off. No, the Holy Spirit really impressed me. Lucas, you just need to say... I'm sorry. And just let that glorious silence afterwards remind you of that is why you do not speak to your kids like that. So invest. Invest, Life Church. Invest. Invest in your marriage. Invest in your kids. Invest in your friendships. Invest in your life group. Invest, invest, invest. It makes our relationships robust. Final thing. Remember. Remember this. That unfaithfulness in a marriage situation often can lead to marriage breakdown. I rejoice. I know of couples where one spouse has been unfaithful, but the marriage has been saved. And actually, years later, that marriage is strong. I love stories like that. Yeah? It's not always the case, though. And we have, to, we have to be real about this. There can be a real consequence to adultery, to unfaithfulness. Remember the cost of an affair. Our marriage is not simply about us being happy. Our marriage is about being holy. And um, we need to understand that um, in our marriage relationships, that sex outside of those is like pulling bricks out from the base of a wall and then the wall comes tumbling down. We also understand this evening 
that marriage breakdown has a massive impact on kids, massive impact. And I understand and I know a number of couples that are doing kind of shared parenting because they're divorced. And people work really hard at doing that well. And if you're a parent here this evening and you're having to do that, or if you're a single parent this evening, like we honor you and celebrate you, we cheer you on. Like we want you to succeed. I remember the reason I talk about that is my wife this weekend, like she left me for 36 hours and I had to look after the children on my own. It's unbelievable, right? She was off to some AOG ministry thing that she was doing, yeah? And, and, I, and she got back last night. I said to her, love, do you realize I've had to spend the last 36 hours with Levi and you've not been around to help me? She said, it's been really hard. And we just took a moment just to reminisce about that. And I said, I said like, parenting is really about two people doing it together. It is, it is, it is. But then it, there was a sense in me, a real deep empathy actually, that when parents find themselves on their own, or maybe even you are married and you feel that you are parenting alone sometimes, that's really tough and hard, really hard. And, you know, if there are ways that we as a wider church community can support you or cheer you on in any way, like, please tell us, because we don't want you to feel that you're parenting your kids alone. Like, kids are supposed to be parented by both parents, and that is the best way, that's God's way. And often, you know, in our lives, there can be times where we mess up, and uh, we are unfaithful, either, either physically or in our minds. Maybe as young adults, there might be moments where we've kind of sexually given more of ourselves away than we should have done. Great thing about the gospel tonight is that um, there's forgiveness, um, there's, there is no reason why anyone should walk out of here guilty tonight. Yeah, King David... The Bible describes him as a man after God's heart. Yeah, incredible man of God. Like if ever there was a man of God in the Old Testament, it was David. And uh, he messed up. He made a mistake. He was unfaithful. And he, um, he uh, was unfaithful with a, a lady called Bathsheba. And he was called out about it. And his response wasn't to run, but his response was to repent. And this evening, you know what? The great thing about the gospel is that even though we might not feel that we always knock it out of the park, there is forgiveness and there is restoration for us. Psalm 51, David said these words. He said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So, you know, even in the moments where we don't quite get it right, there's forgiveness from a God who loves us. And this evening, you know, there, there, might, there may be moments or there might be something that you're seeking to pursue at the moment. And this is like tonight is a massive stop sign. Like, do not go there. Change direction. Danger. Yeah? Or maybe you've, you feel that there have been moments where kind of you have done too much, you've gone too far. The great thing about the gospel, the Bible says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin 
and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And all of us tonight, whatever our history is, yeah, as we walk out of those doors this evening, we get a clean piece of paper. And listen, Life Church, it's not cheap. Cost God his son. It's not cheap. But tonight, it's available and it's free to us that we can know what it is to walk before God with clean hands and pure hearts because the blood of Jesus, God's Son, it cleanses us from all our sin. Like every sexual act that we've done that we shouldn't have done, every thought that we thought that we shouldn't have done, when the enemy comes to condemn us, we can say that we're forgiven and as far as the east is from the west, God has removed our transgressions from us. Yeah, May God help us as we continue to pursue him and to live our lives May God help us to do it in such a way that it just enables us to keep our marriages strong. That, our, that those people who are single, that we express our sexuality within the bounds of marriage that God has given to us. And I believe that as we do that, like God will honour you. God will honour me and he will smile upon that. Yeah, let's just bow our heads, shall we, as we finish this evening. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.